Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody and welcome to episode 89 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host Brad Roland on this fine Sunday evening. It's about 8:30, so um, we'll record. I'm telling you that, I'll tell you guys that now because if something were to hit after we record, it's not going to be our fault. And I'm not re-recording it, Eric, unless something happens during the podcast, and then we'll go back and talk. It's about totally it. Brad's fault. Blame him. Uh, that, that that voice is Eric Cole, as you uh, as long-time listeners certainly know. But if you're new to the podcast, Eric is a uh, is the minor league guru over at Talking Chop and uh, all you know all things, but uh, best known for that at least, and certainly my uh, one of my right hand men along with Scott on this podcast. So uh, welcome back, sir. It's nice to have you. Uh. I am I am now in the rarefied air with Scott Coleman. I'm pretty excited about that. Get out of here uh, with the rarefied air. <laughs> Listen, thanks for ha- thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's it's my pleasure. You guys still have some work to do to catch up to Carlos in terms of appearances, but uh, uh, the, let's be clear. There's no there's no. Yeah, have you the work he is doing at Baseball America is so good. I'm so jealous. Carlos I, is I, Carlos is the man. Like I'm I'm Carlos's biggest fan. I. Uh, yeah, like I, I keep giving him grief. Like, hey man, when's my royalty check coming in? Like, <laughs> all this, uh, Carlos. I mean, people, people, people don't know this actually. I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, obviously, he was the co-host of the podcast with me, but uh, before that, we we co-ran uh, the fan-sided Atlanta sports site together. So we were the co-editors of that way back in the day. It's been a few years. That was like my first like experience like running a site. So yeah, we go way back, Carlos and I. So I'm happy keep- for him. I keep saying him like you know, hey, you know, if since you know John Manuel left Baseball America, if you it's guys time. need a little bit of help, just let me know. Like, yeah, <laughs> call your call your boy in. Eric's ready. Although I, I don't I don't want you I don't want you to leave, but I'll be happy for you if you do. That's all, <laughs> that's all that is. Uh, well, all right, let's talk about some Braves. Um, people were I, I put out the mailbag call on Sunday afternoon. People were uh, asking me to hold the podcast until something happens. The problem is no one can tell us when it's going to happen. Uh, nope. we, we were we were all told it was going to be after the World Series. The World Series ended a few days ago. Now we didn't hear anything. Uh, last at last check, Mark Bowman, who is someone I trust implicitly, um, said it, that, that it could be at least a week. That was, uh, I believe, on Thursday when he said that. Um, that sounds right. Wednesday or Thursday. But still, I mean, we're we're Sunday now, and if it's at least a week, you're talking about you know end of this next coming week at the earliest at that timeline. It proves to be correct. So. Uh, it could happen Monday morning, and we'll look silly. But uh, for now, we just don't know a ton about when it's going to come down. So I wasn't going to just hold the podcast indefinitely. Um, 
there's there's stuff to talk about like sort of around it, and we you know little tidbits here and there of news. Uh, I guess the biggest thing this week was that uh, there was a report from Jerry Krasnick that was later, I think, um, at least somewhat corroborated elsewhere, that uh, basically said that John Hart was not going to be directly involved in the uh, MLB um, violation briefing, whatever that comes out. Like we'll say, like he's not directly implicated as someone who uh, you know had wrongdoing. There's stuff to talk about around that, but I guess that's probably the biggest place to start. Yeah, that report was interesting because one, I've talked to a few people now. Like once that report came out, I started you know just poking around a bit. I don't think that that is a consensus opinion, even amongst those in the Braves organization, that that is like a done deal. Um, I think that the initial impl- the initial thought is that he is not implicated in any direct wrongdoing. However, that same report de- describes John Hart's leadership style and management style with the Braves as disengaged, which. One doesn't exactly have give me a lot of confidence in terms of you know him leading the organization going forward, and a lot of people have been kind of pointing that out. But more importantly, like if this was let's say it was like the NCAA or anywhere else that you know like you know these violations happened, you know that's a lack of oversight issue, and I don't know how Major League Baseball because we're we're kind of in a, an unprecedented area where like the scope of what could be in play here. That, that could result in penalties. Like, we haven't seen this before, uh, at least not since, you know, like, you know, kind of like the Wild West era of, like, the early baseball time where, you know, like, you know, like there's plenty of un- under-the-table and shitty dealings between players and coaches and ownership and all that stuff. So in terms of, like, the scope that we kind of – it's been hinting at that, that what Major League Baseball is looking at, I don't know how Major League Baseball views the idea that, you know, the the – the people in quote unquote in charge, and not just John Coppola, who's clearly seems culpable to to some degree that we don't know yet, but with Terry McGurk, John Hart, all these like you know super high up executives, whether how accountable the league can hold them and how you would even punish them, you know what I mean? I don't even know what like if that if if there's a, a lack of oversight over their employees and kind of like quote-unquote disengagement or just like kind of looking the other way what would a penalty even look like if that's what the, the conclusion they came to yeah I mean, do you i mean I, I don't know no same i'm i have no clue i mean there's the stuff with that you know i believe bowman talked about you know was all the stuff that we kind of have heard with you know draft pick loss and prospect loss potentially and you know salary pool loss and all this stuff but like we nobody knows it's all uh, it's informed speculation from people that I, we trust, like Bowman and others. I mean, but still, like it's not. There's not a consensus here. That's kind of the big thing um, here. I mean, you know, I, everybody's eyebrows raised when you, when we all saw the thing about Hart and the report about him not being culpable. Uh, I, you know, based on everything we've seen, I'd be a little bit surprised if he was like directly involved. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's also absolved, if that makes sense. Like, it could be, like, I, you know, we, you can get into the debate as to, like, even if he's not involved directly, like, how much responsibility does he bear? That's a question sure. that we could talk about for two hours. Um, well. Because it's an well, oversight thing, like you kind of said there. It's, it's, that's a big question that uh, I honestly, I almost don't care, like, personally how I feel about it. I think it's, it has, it's more, way more interesting as to like how his bosses feel about it, how does McGurk feel about it, how does Sherholtz feel about it, how does Liberty feel about it? Because I think you know whether whether he's actually in the organization or not is more important to me than whether he's like directly implicated. If that makes sense, because I think 
Um, barring some sort of bombshell, it's not like it's going to be, you know, John Hart orchestrated all this stuff. It's going to be maybe John Hart, you know, had oversight because John, you know, he's responsible because somebody worked for him, not because he was the mastermind at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. But you mentioning Liberty is interesting because, I mean, there's clearly, I mean, Major League Baseball is most assuredly doing their investigation. And the results of their investigation will have a set consequences based on however they decide penalties and all that other stuff. But Liberty Media is still actively doing their own internal vest investigation. And one, they're not bound at all by the results of Major League Baseball's investigations. And two, they're looking for entirely different things, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not only just, you know, what rules were broken, it's how those who we have placed in charge of baseball operations, business operations, are they doing their job well? Are they do, acting in the best interest of the organizations and, you know, if their financial interests, the you know, baseball interests, all that other stuff? If they – I mean, the Major League Baseball could say Hart had no hand in this because he was disengaged in playing golf. If Liberty Media finds that exact conclusion, that's going to be a problem for John Hart because yeah. if they come to the conclusion that he's been, you know, playing golf or wasn't really paying attention or didn't really have his hands on, the, you know, the levers of power or whatever, Liberty Media is going to say we put you in this position – so that you could be like the kind of the final say in making sure that this organization is going in the right direction, because you know ultimately we, they want the team to make money. They they want the team to make money for Liberty Media, but also I mean, there are brand considerations that matter. And if John Hart is just kind of not doing what he needs to do to make sure that like things like this don't happen or whatever else, you know that there isn't there are not important checks in place. Liberty media, even if major league baseball says, Hey, John Hart didn't do anything. Liberty media is like, you're right. John Hart didn't do anything. And that's yeah. why we're going to be looking for a new baseball president of baseball operations. And I think it's been telling that Mark Bowman specifically has been talking about a lot of candidates that aren't necessarily general manager candidates. Those are baseball. Those are president of baseball operations candidates that a lot of those names have been floated around because a lot of those guys are that, you know, like the, the, and we can talk about this later, but you know, the, the Alex Anthopoulos and the Jim Hendry's and Dayton Moore's, they don't want to be general managers. They no. want to be president of baseball operations. And he's kind of been like, you know, the, he's kind of like said these like kind of offhand tweets and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, they're, they're still looking for president, president candidates, even though John Hart's not you know, culpable. What do you know? And I think it's clear that the Braves are looking around at possible replacements for John Hart. And I think that might be because of, what Liberty's doing, not necessarily what Major League Baseball might come to conclusions for. Yeah, that's actually that's a really good point. I'm glad you made it just because I've I've long thought and had my eyebrow raised on even just even if it's just Dayton Moore, like you know we talked about this previously, but like there is no scenario in which Dayton Moore is working for John Hart. So no. like this this public whether it's leaked or whatever this public like semi flirtation that the Braves are having with Dayton Moore, where they want to at least have uh, have permission to speak with him. They're not even going to think about doing that and having him work for John Hart. Like they know he's not going to come work for John Hart. That's not happening. I, I've kind of I've kind of toyed with this little conspiracy theory in my brain that the reason why the Braves asked to interview Dayton Moore for general manager is that they know he would turn it down. Yeah, like they they, they just know right, no and way. they know the and and that they wanted to show that the only way they can get Dayton Moore is to take John Hart's job. 
That's that's conceivable. I mean, it's not insane by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it's that crazy. No, I, I don't think it is. I mean, I'm not going to tell you. I mean, we don't we don't think that it like it's not like we're we're not reporting that. Let me say that. Out no, loud. no, no, not at all. This uh, is pure pure Eric conspiracy theory. But I it make it's weird to ask for a team to permission to interview a candidate that you know wouldn't even take the interview. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, and by the way, Dayton Moore for you may not love Dayton Moore as a as a candidate. You may not have loved his approach, but. Dayton Moore has a World Series ring uh, as the as the president of Baseball Ops in Kansas City or whatever his title is there. Like he's not. And there gonna, are a whole lot of candidates that are a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, I I'm <laughs> not. I personally am not in love with Dayton Moore to like the point where like I'm super duper excited about like the Dayton Moore era. But yeah, that's not a worst case scenario by any stretch. And no. like I'm just saying in terms of like he's not unless he's being fired, which he's not being fired in Kansas City. He's no. not gonna fly the coop to come be work, you know, be the number two in Atlanta. That's just not happening. So put that away. I mean, and, you know, Anthopolis is probably the same way. Like, you know, Jim Henry's been out of the game, not out of the game, but like out of like that number one chair for a while to where like, that's at least like semi conceivable that he could be just the GM. Like, but Anthopolis, I, that's not happening either. Like he's not coming to work with John Hart. I don't think so. Anyway, uh, I'll, I, I would be highly, highly yeah, doubtful. <laughs> I'd be pretty surprised by that. Um, so yeah, it's just it sort of speaks to all of it. It's all the background information. It's just a very difficult, weird situation because there's the you know depending on who you read, even like people that we trust are on different sides of this thing. Where like yep. if you read between the lines, it's like yeah, Hart's gonna be back, or the other side's like no, Hart's probably not gonna be back. And um, you know every, the biggest question I think we get aside from the easy one of like you know what's gonna happen with the investigation is who's making the decisions on players and things like that. And my answer is I have no clue. I mean, who, who made the decision on Tyler Flowers' option? Uh, we assume it's John Hart because John Hart is the only one there to make that decision. But like, they had to make a couple of decisions, um, and I, you know, again, I, I have to assume that's John Hart. But like now, when free agency opens in a couple, you know, not that long, not, not that long from now, they could make a trade tomorrow. If they wanted. Well, to. I mean, and and they have to make decisions about you know activating guys from the sixty-day DL for yeah, roster stuff. I mean, that has stuff. to happen. Like that, and like, in the next right now. Right now it's John Hart. It has, I mean, it has to be John Hart because there's nobody else to make that decision. But he, John Hart's not even under contract. It's the whole. Even if you just get away now, from like just I, the candidacies I, and all that stuff, like he's not, in, he's not under contract. <laughs> it's just well, weird. I, I see. I, I did get some clarification on that. His contract runs through the end of the year. Oh, it's is it it's, it's not. It's, a, it's okay. not a season thing. I did. I did. I did hear that. So that now, now, to be fair. I had like that was like a social media thing that I read. It's that's not a question. Right, though. I mean, that's but, but it, it, like, it, it makes sense because that's kind of like a year long job, like a year round job. It's not like a. And he's got to be getting paid. I mean, it's not like when I say. I mean, I think people know what I mean, but yeah, it's it's a good point to point that out. Like, it's not like he's at home chilling. Like he's he's yeah. working. It's not he's he's still on the well, job. Uh, well, well, we hope we yeah. hope. Let's. <laughs> well, again, some, 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 some of the reports had to make a decision make, to decline R.A. Dickey's option, and I, I assume that was John Hart. Um, or at least, at least to make the. I mean, I guess that wasn't my decision. If he's gonna to, retire, to, sign the, to, to sign the paperwork anyway. Yeah, somebody's got to process that. So that happened. Um, right. But anyway, um, while we're here, I guess we, could, we, I guess we should probably just talk about the uh, guy since that's sort of a, a natural bridge. We can come back to other stuff we want to. But um, Dayton Moore, we talked about, but the Braves still want permission, according to Bowman, which we just kind of talked about. They, uh, Alex Anthopoulos is out there. 
Um, Jim Hendry's out there. We both mentioned a couple of the other names that we've heard in the process are still available. Um, not all of them are still available, but some of them are. Um, anybody strike you as like particularly exciting? I think Dayton Moore is like the easy one where if it's Dayton Moore, Dayton Moore just becomes and is just in charge. Um, whereas like some of these other guys, it's kind of fuzzier. But anybody exciting you of that group? Um, you know, Anthopolis is probably. Yeah, about to say someone tweeted at you and I about uh, you know yeah. anything about Anthopolis and Jim Hendry and Doug Harris is another name that popped oh, yeah, up. But that's, yeah, def- yeah. that's definitely that's def- Doug Harris is definitely a GM candidate. I don't yes. see any role where he ends up being baseball president of baseball operations. Um, I'm, I'm I would be tentatively excited about Alex Anthopolis. His tenure in in Toronto was uh, I would say uneven. Uh, but he's not a, a guy that's afraid to take chances, and he expanded that that scouting department. You know. Significantly did a lot of good work, and if you kind of think about a lot of the good things that Toronto was doing uh, towards the end before he kind of left because there was kind of disagreement as to how much control he was going to have over baseball operations. Um, uh, at least that's the rumor. Uh, is that he really did a good job both incorporating analytics and scouting in a big way into player development and player acquisition, uh, and that is something that is intrinsically exciting to me. But with the caveat that I've seen this quote multiple places now that apparently Alex Anthopoulos is copies clone. Like they're the same guy constantly sending trade proposals and, you know, really being kind of working like crazy hours and almost maniacal. Which, I go over you know, well. that, yeah, but I say na- nowadays may not feel particularly great, but at the same time, I mean, Alex has been around the game in a long time and, you know, he just, he just got to a world series with the Dodgers. Uh, as I think it's like senior vice president of baseball operations or something like that, vice president, something like that. I can't remember. Um, but he's, you know, he's seen success. He's built successful teams and he's been successful in a lot of respects, not in all, uh, because again, there was some tough years down in Toronto, uh, in, during a time when that division was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but I would be tentatively excited about Anthopolis. Um, I think I might be more excited about Anthopolis than more, but just because I think that there would be more interesting ideas, that would come up as opposed to more who's more of a kind of a, I, I, I hate to call him a vanilla candidate because I don't, that does, that implies something I don't mean. But he is. Uh, I have, yeah. And I have no interest in Jim Hendry whatsoever. Uh, it's no. not like, it's not like those Cubs teams that when he had, you know, money to burn and you know, they, 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 they some of those Cubs teams made okay runs towards the playoffs and, you know, but it, he didn't do anything in the, that tenure that made me think that, you know, that's the guy that I want, you know, running in the direction of an organization. So I have no interest in Jim Hendry, but Anthopolis I am tentatively ex- excited about the possibility of. Yeah, I mean, this is this is unfair, but um, if you if I had to you know pick my ideal formation based on only the guys we've heard, like which it's not fair at all because it's, there's always more candidates than what we hear, um, I would probably go with Anthopolis and Doug Harris together. Yeah, yeah. I, I said the exact same thing. I think you and I were on the same page on that one. Yeah, you know, I mean, so... I mean, like, I think Doug Harris has a lot, has an intro, a great story. Uh, he's very highly regarded, and he's probably ready for a general manager position. Yeah, I mean, by the way, has a scouting background. I'm, I mean, I'm in. Yeah, but by the way, like it doesn't mean like I, I'm not going to be like thoroughly upset if they go the Dayton Moore route. Um, See, I'm not either. I'm. I mean, I'm, I won't be thrilled either, but I won't be like actively upset. I think right now, my like the worst case scenario. Uh, let's let's just put that out there is like John Hart and Jim Hendry. <laughs> That's at least for me. Like that would be my worst case is like John Hart and some like super boring vanilla GM candidate together. Like I have no interest in that. 
So, okay, so let's assume that uh, John Hart stays, okay? There's a name that was bantered around earlier that I think might be worse than a Jim Dan Hendry. Jennings. Well, that, I mean, that's high on the list. But uh, he, has a high, he has a better reputation around baseball than I actually thought he would. This, and that may be just me coloring my opinion of him being colored by the fact that he was with the Marlins. No, I've read good stuff about him. Which, 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 which stains people. Like if, you're, if you like work for the Marlins, like you're somehow – there's something wrong with you. Uh, you know, which tells you exactly how poorly uh, Jeff Loria uh, ran a team. But what if it's Jonathan Scherholz? Oh yeah, okay, that's worse. I, I, see, I'm not even thinking that, that, about that, that, that as a that, possibility, that, but like early, I, I have not heard that name in a long time. We are not reporting anything, but it's not like his name did not come up in conversations. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is ac- that's accurate. <laughs> um, uh, now, I would I would avoid social media for like three days if that happens. I would be like, nope, just not, nope. I'm good. Oh yeah, uh, strong, be, strong yeah, because there, there 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 are there are strong strong opinion, opinions about the involvement of John Scherholz right now, John Hart, uh, and it's it's frankly it's been tough just to write period right now because it just seems like there's a lot of anxiety which is very it's completely understandable but at the same time it's kind of gotten almost turned to anger in a lot of ways. I mean not quite there. I mean you know give Braves fans time. We'll we'll get to being truly angry here soon, but. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough time. And when you, you mentioned it's certain names, like things kind of can turn sideways and all you have to really do is look at Bill Shanks Twitter to find that out. Every time he even mentions John Hart or John Scherholz, you know, his mentions turn into a dumpster fire. So, uh, I'm not sure if some of that isn't self-imposed because of, you know, some of the stances he's taken, but at the same time, it kind of speaks to how, heightened people's anxieties and feelings are about this whole situation. And so if Jonathan Scherholz is John's son, uh, ascended to, you know, a, 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 the general manager position, or even got a promotion to something like, you know, like, you know, assistant GM or a director of a department or something like that, you know, something, something like a promotion in any respect. Uh, I have a feeling that you're going to see some fairly upset people, uh, depending on what happens is to determine how justified their upsetness would be. Yeah. That's not going to go over well in the slightest, um, for sure. So, yeah, that's a good point out there. And I mean, again, we don't we don't know much. We're only talking about the names that we've heard floated publicly by people we trust. So we'll see it's, what happens. But uh, it, yeah, it's and it's a very liquid situation because I mean, a lot of the, the the kind of the water cooler talk for a while was like John Hart was a dead man walking, right. you know. And, and now it's like, is he kind of maybe I don't know. Uh, so that that report from ESPN definitely kind of threw a wrench in things. But you know, we still don't know a lot. Uh, as to what the penalties could be, there's a wide range of outcomes, uh, ranging as to how much baseball, Major League Baseball cares uh, that the Braves basically immediately got rid of what appears to be the two leading culprits. Although Gordon Blakely is meeting with you know Major League Baseball this week, and a follow-up interview this late makes me wonder kind of what that's all about too. Yeah, and there's the specifics of uh, there's a resignation that was tendered and then and then pulled back. And now there's money and there's lawsuits and uh, I don't want, I don't want to go super deep into that, but that's going to go on yeah, for a, a while. Yeah, think. it's a mess. It is a mess. Uh, which is something that I'm not. I mean, I don't plan to cover on the podcast just because it's not. It's at that point, it's it's no longer baseball. Like I don't, I don't. It's care. T, it's TM it's TMZ. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't care. I mean, unless like it turns, unless it leaks back into baseball, but that's just gonna be a battle over contract negotiate, like over contract stuff and money. And that's, it's I mean, It's has to do with the Braves, but it's like the same thing where like, 
I'm not going to deal with anything that's not somewhat related to baseball on this show. So that'll be that. Sure. Just want to get that out there. Um, all right, let's get away from that for a little while. Um, more of a note than anything else, uh, Bowman reported uh, this week that uh, we've already heard about Walt Weiss being the de facto bench coach. Um, that's sort of out there again. And uh, also Bowman is now reporting that Eric Young Sr. is going to be the first base coach to replace Eddie Perez. Uh, no big shock there, uh, but Eric Young Sr., um, based on the, you know, Eric Young obviously was a good baseball player, uh, and his son was uh, involved recently, at least, like mm-hmm. semi-recently in the Braves, so I don't really care other than I know who that is, at least. Congratulations, <laughs> everybody. Uh, it's, wor- it's worth noting, uh, it's, Walt Weiss has been kind of connected to the Braves coaching, like, the, the, for those who aren't aware, Terry Pendleton and Eddie Perez, it's kind of like the worst kept secret right now. They're not going to that, 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 that they're not returning. Yes. Uh, whether or not that get, when and how that gets announced, you know, it could be tomorrow. And then in which case you're going to be listening to this podcast and wondering why, why are we even speculating about this? Uh, but there's a, you know, Terry Pendleton and Eddie Perez for better, or for worse have been around the organization for a long time. Uh, I mean, TP has been a coach for the team forever. And you know, since two thousand one, I think, is when he kind of started does like a like a kind of a hitting instructor, and then turned the hitting coach. And he's been around for a long time. And you know, I'm sure there are some in the organization that are a little bit upset that he's kind of being cast aside. But he's also, as a bench coach, you know, you're not only kind of managing player personalities, which TP kind of has a tough love uh, type mentality, is my understanding. Uh, you know, in terms of you know, just do your job and you know, be seen and not heard and all that other stuff, but more importantly, you know, in terms of relaying information to a manager and kind of helping them coach their way through a game, uh, it seems like the Braves want a stronger voice. You know, Walt Weiss was the, you know, former Rockies manager, and you know, whether or not you think a whole lot of his tenure there, which it certainly is spotty, uh, it, he doesn't seem to be super adverse to you know, you know, using analytics as a coaching tool or you know, kind of thinking outside the box in terms of strategy, which is something that I think would be really helpful for Snicker. Uh, and it's worth noting that Eric Dunn Sr. was Walt Weiss's first base coach when he was in the Rockies. Yeah, and I think, I can't remember who reported this, but I think we talked about a couple weeks ago that um, the Braves apparently wanted someone with managerial experience as the, as the bench coach, which Pendleton does not have. Um, to, I mean, that's not his fault because, uh, you know, have, you have to be given that experience. Somebody has to hire you. Um, but Yeah, he's. I know he's interviewed, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the same thing. I mean, Perez has too. I, I just, I, somebody, I can't remember, I, I apologize, I can't remember who reported that the Braves were looking for, if possible, they wanted a former manager as a bench coach, presumably for what you said, like more of a stronger voice, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I feel pretty certain it was either D.O.B. or... Bowman, yeah, it was but. one of the local guys. It, I, yeah, it was either, it was one of those guys, because nobody else would care enough to report that, <laughs> frankly. Sure. National guys aren't going to report that kind of stuff, but... Uh, yeah, just sort of interesting information, and, and Weiss is, you know, obviously played here as well, and um, yep. people seem to like him. So something just Kyle, yeah. But we, I think we talked about Perez and Pendleton on like five straight podcasts, but they're gone. It's happening. That's not going to be back. But more firm <laughs> reporting. Uh, that was the, the firmest report I've seen from Bowman that was basically said like, look, this is happening, and Walt Weiss and Eric Garcia are coming, and the Braves haven't announced that. And for whatever yeah, it's reason, been this, it's been this slow crawl towards announcing that they're not coming back too. Because I know that I know that Weiss was around. I think he was like either interviewing or you know at least visiting the team during like you know like <laughs> the the like the 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 exit interview the the exit interview process the Braves were doing at the end of the season. So it's like he's been around forever, and you know I think they're just kind of ironing out details, I guess. But again, it's kind of weird that they're taking as long as they're 
they have to kind of announce something, but at the same time, given the circumstances with the investigation and basically the Braves not saying much of anything at all uh, beyond, you know, whether or not they're exercising options, uh, I, I I kind of understand, but at the same time, it's a little weird. Yep, for sure. Uh, no question about that. Um, all right, let's go quickly away from all of that stuff and talk about some more uh, sort of off-the-wall things. But first, uh, anything we need to know from from the Arizona Fall League? I know people ask me all the time, and admittedly, I am not dialed into the Arizona Fall League on a regular basis. I, I, I check the stat page uh, every couple of days, but uh, I know you are definitely more involved. So anything that we should know, uh, big picture, I, we don't, I, I don't, I don't want to go super deep unless you want to. We can if you would like, but anything that we have not hit on previously that you've taken away from the Arizona Fall League? I know you're going to be shocked, Brad. Okay. Here we go. But Ronald Acuna is really good at baseball. Oh, that is, that is, that is a takeaway, I guess. We should talk about Acuna on every podcast, and uh, he's good at baseball. So Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, uh, I, I am glad that we don't look incredibly stupid based on how much love we had for him since the beginning of last season. Uh, Ronald Acuna is, you know, he started off the F a little bit slow, and now he's tied for the league league in home runs. He's hitting like 350. Uh, he's, you know, he's. He's not running as he's not running a whole lot down there, uh, and when he played in the Arizona Fall League, Arizona Fall Stars game yesterday, uh, went one for three, one for four, something like that. Uh, got caught stealing on a questionable call at second, but you know the the catcher made a really good pop and throw, so it's kind of hard to you know be too upset about it. Um, went one for four, three with a hard single. I think you know he definitely only had one hit in the game. Uh, played really well. Has still has a rope for an arm. He's still impressing a ton of people down there. You know, a lot of people are talking about him having 30-30 potential at his peak uh, in the majors, which is exactly what you want to hear out of your top prospect and one of the top prospects in baseball. Uh, one of the prospects that has the most helium since, like, his promotion to A up and through now is Austin Riley, who is raking down in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, it is definitely a hitter's-friendly environment, uh, you, know, you know, full disclosure there. But he's hitting home runs. He's he's making good, solid contact. He's performing reasonably well at third. It's kind of – it's not. It's certainly not a – it's not a guy where you're like, yep, that's a, that's a gold glove third baseman right there. But he's, there's a lot less people saying that he can't stick there now. There's a lot of people who are saying that yeah, he might be able to play at least an average third base. And, you know, considering with all the, you know, the, the juice ball stuff, that, that's, the, that's the kind of guy who can really get a boost if there is such a thing to that. Um, because he has real power. He's strong. Uh, there are some who question his bat speed. Uh, and those people are are just dug in on that, but it's all in, it's not it's not like he's swinging a lead bat or anything. It's just that he doesn't have that kind of elite bat speed where if he gets his wrong on a pitch, he can't he won't be able to catch up. Uh, but his pitch recognition has gotten really good, and you know if he can get that his pitch recognition and his timing right, and it seems like that's why it happens where he kind of starts a little bit slower, and then towards the end of the year he finishes out because he kind of knows how people are pitching to him. Um, it's going to be a kind of a constant process for him. But talking about a guy with real upside, especially just in terms of raw power, he can hit the ball a ton, uh, and you know he's working really hard, you know, keeping himself in shape. He has kind of one of those bodies where if he wasn't uh, paying attention and you know really doing what he was supposed to, he could kind of you know fill out a little bit too much. But he's you know really taking you know his his, his professional career seriously, and he's working really hard to be get better offensively and defensively. Uh, and he, I think you're gonna start seeing him on top 100 lists this off season. Uh, because, again, he just has so much tantalizing power, and he's made so much improvement. Um, Max Fried is still pitching lights out. They didn't put him in the Arizona Fall, uh, fall Stars game because 
reasons, I guess. Uh, that they, a lot of that's kind of a, a lot of that's predetermined stuff, and he was kind of not due for us. St- he was kind of pitching at a weird time that week too. So uh, Tuki Tassant did participate. Uh, he pitched one scoreless inning with zero strikeouts. Uh, he has been very good in the Arizona Fall League. Sands one start where he only recorded one out and gave up five runs, which was unfortunate. Uh, but a lot of people mean his his curveball and his fastball are just are really exciting. And you know if starting ends up not working out for him and he's done nothing to pitch his way out of that, uh, <laughs> pitch him in short stints is almost unfair because he's all of a sudden he's like throwing close to like ninety eight, ninety nine, and then just like putting as much break on his curveballs as humanly possible. Uh, so even out of the bullpen, he's it's almost I kind of just want to see it regularly just because you know his stuff would play up so much. But he's he's been he's been good. Uh, and then a few other guys are doing okay. Uh, Alex Jackson's still uh, hitting well. Uh, he did t- get hit by a pitch and had to miss a game. Uh, and you know, but other than that, I mean, he's still he's hitting home runs. He's doing a lot of work down there. I don't know if he's going to be a catcher. You know, going to be a catcher long term. But there's certainly more believers now in that than there were at the beginning of the season. So that says something, uh, especially when you consider he was like not a catcher since high school. So you know, it's. A lot, of the, a lot of these guys are still kind of works in progress and, you know, kind of see what they're going to turn into as time to, and, you know, maybe it's going to be worth look, looking at again midseason next year. Um, and, but they're definitely making the prospect rankings that we're going to be doing this offseason harder because they're performing better than I thought they were. Never a bad thing, frankly. Uh, so no. there's, there's the definitive from Eric. I do want to ask about one guy that we talked, that you brought, talked about there, is that, and that's Riley, because. Uh, DOB reported this week that it was unlikely, and I quote, uh, that the Braves would, would block him with a long-term commitment to anybody at third base, which I found to be an eyebrow raise, not in a bad way necessarily, but you know, Riley's a guy who does not have a 100% approval rating. It's not like he's Acuna where uh, he's seen as this like, no-doubt guy. Like People like him quite a bit. He has a lot of talent. As you said, he's, he's fast-rising, but it struck me as a little bit surprising that DOB wrote that, especially just because third base has been such a question mark for so long now. Um, that I think people, I'm not sure they were hoping for, but at least assume that the Braves would, would, would at least be looking at third base as a as an upgrade spot um, for this for this offseason. But if they're if they're unwilling to pay out a long term contract to kind of limit what they can do, uh, kind of you know also weaves into the fact that MLB trade rumors uh, wrote about Mike Mustakis being a fit in Atlanta, which I immediately recoiled in horror about um, personally. But well, uh, kind of kind of all, like- all goes together, but it's a, sort of a weird spot. I mean, I don't hate the idea of Moose getting like an offer from the Braves, but five years, eighty-five million dollars. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. In terms of blocking Riley, I mean, I know that it is a hundred percent certain that the Braves, there are those in the Braves organization that love Riley, have loved his power since like the day they saw him scouting him before the draft, and this was before like Riley was probably more highly thought of as a pitcher back then. But they loved his power that long ago, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if like they thought highly of him. But in terms of blocking him, I mean, that seems more like a negotiating position in terms of like, you know, don't expect to get paid, you know, $150 million from us if you want to be a third baseman for us. It doesn't seem as much as like, you know, if, if, if they find a really good candidate, you know, at the price they want to pay or just a really good candidate, you know, in terms of a trade or anything like that. I don't think Riley is necessarily good enough to like prevent them from making a move, period. But I don't think he's also close enough to say we're not, they're not going to even look at third base this offseason. Yeah, that was the thing that was more more surprising. It wasn't as if he was in, in AAA last year and like was really a contender to start the season in Atlanta. Like he's not that close. Uh, I don't think. I mean, maybe and, and it's gonna take, it's gonna take him some time now. If you know, if he came the in first five hundred in the spring, could he could he make the team? Is he is he like? I'm actually asking you that because if he for some reason just goes supernova for the next 
few months and then uh, goes crazy in March, is it possible he starts in Atlanta? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean like Acuna went nuts in spring training. You know, you know right, what I mean. Well, and, and so did Freed. So and you know neither one of those made those teams out of the spring training. Now, I mean. Honestly, if they had started the year with Acuna, this could have been a really interesting season. But, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but I mean, is he that close? I mean, he would really have to hit the cover off the ball and, and show real acumen at third. And I think that's the biggest thing is just kind of the defensive work and being able to be a defensive third baseman. Uh, because, I mean, the – I mean, third base defensively is unforgiving in the major league level because there's so many guys that can flat out fly. I mean, if you bobble the ball at all, you're just not going to get them. So, you know, you have to kind of really be crisp over there, at least make the plays that you – like make the plays you're supposed to make every time. Um, and I don't know if he's there yet. I think that even if he has a really good season, even at the play, or at preseason, like, you know, in terms of spring training and all that other stuff, I still don't think he starts the year with the team. But, you know, I'm less certain of that than I was uh, at midseason this year. Yeah, that makes sense uh, in a big way. And by the way, the, uh, the reported number for Moustakis on – well, I, I shouldn't even say reported. The guest number – from uh, MLB Twitter rumors, and this is not uh, piling on them because they have they're doing fifty projections. It's not like this exact science, but it was five and five years, eighty five million for Mustakis. If that happened, I would do a twenty minute rant on the podcast. So just prepare. All right, you've heard that. it here, folks. Brace yourselves. Um, if, it's, just, if it's that you're, if it's that much or worse, Brad owes you guys twenty minutes on Mike Mustakis and how much money he's getting. Well, I, the whole thing is like I totally get why they might be interested in, in Mustakis. He's you know he had, he had a good year this year. He had thirty eight home runs. There's power, but um, he's been like not even a starting level player in three of the past six seasons. And if you're suddenly going to pay that guy $85 million, like. People, it feels a lot like you'd be having a Matt Kemp type at third base. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing, even, even this year when he, you know, again, he had 38 home runs. I totally get that. It was a power breakout, but he finished the season with a 314 on base percentage. He has a yep. 305 career on base percentage. And he, he was worth two in a season where he hit 38 home runs. He was worth two wins at fan, on Fangraphs. Like that's yeah, it's yeah, it's it's like a Ryan Howard year. Yeah, if he you know? does that, yeah, I mean he's obviously a valuable player if he's going to hit 38 home runs. But prior to this year, his career high on home runs was 22. So yeah, I mean I'm not. It's not even crapping on Mike Mustakis because like he's had good years in the past. Like in 2015, he was a almost a four win player on Fangraphs because he ha, he randomly had a 348 on base for the only time in his career he's ever gotten on base. And his defensive numbers weren't atrocious. Yeah, they were they, better, and they, right? and they and they were not good this year. And say, by the way, same thing as you. Like if they gave him a three year a three year reasonable money contract, I would not be upset. But five and eighty five. By the way, he's not even that young. He's twenty nine. Like if you you know. You don't give the guy who's like this. You're getting your 20 minutes early, folks. Yeah, no, I just, I'm trying to hold back. I just, and and again, I have to emphasize this. This It's not like, this is not a report of interest. This was a guess. But uh, yeah, Yeah, people were excited about it. I was like, yeah, he had 38 home runs. I was like, yeah, he did. That's the only thing he did well. Literally the only thing he did well last year was hit 38 home runs, which is fine, but. That is a thing. Not for 85 million. I mean, I got, I think I can't remember. I got an argument with uh, somebody said, "Well, this is, that'll be the new that'll be the new BJ Upton contract." Then I was like, "Well, actually, BJ was much better in the in the previous few years before he got his deal than Mustakis has been in the last couple of years." That is a hundred percent correct. It's not even close. I, and obviously, that did not go well in Atlanta. No, no one's saying no, that it did. Uh, I was the uh, biggest Upton stand there was, and even then, that did not go well. But um, yeah, that's it'd be even like I don't know. People are acting like that. That like like they like, like they saw that coming. It's like no, no one saw that coming. Like 
you might you may not you may not have loved that contract, but no one was like, by the way, he's going to be the worst hitter in baseball in his first year. Like that that was not a thing. People saw. Nope. Um, by the way, the other guy on that list that the Braves were attached to is Tommy Hunter, the reliever, um, for two years at twelve million, which is far less sexy, um, but probably yeah, I mean, probably more reasonable <laughs> in terms I mean, of like yeah, it, what happened. Relievers are good. We didn't have very many good ones. You know, if he you know he turns out to be reasonable, then that seems like a reasonable contract. I'm fine with that. Well, and it's <laughs> kind of funny. People like I think people have gleamed onto this because Copy famously did the week before he left, um, did an interview and like talked openly about how they wanted to sign a few veterans in the bullpen. Um, and people like, oh, well, the Braves want to sign that. Well, I was, I, I was like, well, yeah, Copy wanted to do that. We don't know that they're going to do that now. I mean, I assume that they're going to try to make the bullpen better, but people are, people are signing Copy's thought process to the next Braves franchise front office, and we don't know that that's going to be the same. Oh, um, I, I, this is something and that's an interesting point that you make because I need this – I just want to get this out here because, and I'm again, this isn't me trying to start trouble, but it was Copy that said that they're not going to be the ones that are going to be players in free agency, and that they're not going to be trading away their prospects except for you know, like, at the right prices. The next general manager or president of baseball operations that comes in is not held to that promise. It is entirely possible, and there's a large, there's a large swath of teams in baseball that view their prospects more as assets that they can trade to get the players they want to win more quickly. Then there are like, you know, this constant building of a, of, of a farm system and as rich of a farm system that the Braves have a new general manager and a new base president of baseball operations, who is probably under pressure from ownership to put results on the field, to get past all of this. It is entirely possible that this offseason a lot, the, the, the landscape can change drastically. And if you, Think that you know there's just going to be different bodies in place and it's going to be the same old, same old. You may be in for a rude awakening, which is why I am kind of at a loss of what to say because I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We, we don't know what's going to happen, and we don't. I mean, and that's not just who they're going to hire. It's even after they hire them. What? How do you rebound from all this? What is the strategy that you take after all of this? Because it's not like there's a lot of good fuzzy feelings surrounding the strategy that was put in place. Because of the people that were involved. No, I mean that's that's all great points. I mean, if people. I mean, it's we're, we're I'm trying to do the podcast anyway, just because you know it's fun to talk about baseball, and I want to be here for you guys. But it's it's tough to talk about specifics because we just don't know much about what's going on. So, um, philosophy wise, it's all kind of up in the air. And uh, yeah, that's a good way to talk about it and describe it, just because that's something that's uh, it's going to happen. It's going to change. Stuff's going to change. The front office is different. It's going to be different, and uh, we don't know what it's going to look like. But anyway, uh, that was always interesting to always think about because that was that became a thing. And, and that's that's what happens in November is when you see uh, a credible website talk about something, and it's an interesting player, and it's a big money contract. It becomes a talking point, and uh, we talked about it on the podcast for that for that reason. <laughs> um, yep. The last thing before I let you get out of here, man, uh, is that Zips came out with their projections uh, via ESPN, but uh, Dan, Dan Zaborski, uh, famously creator of Zips, good guy, uh, occasional reader of the Talking Chop comments, I know. Dan's a, a member over at, at Talking Chop. We'll check in every once in a while and uh, shouts to Dan if you listen to this. I, I doubt he is, but hey, what's up, Dan? Um, yeah, he came out with, uh, with with Zips this week, and uh, the Braves were second in the in the NL East with 80 wins uh, for next year. You know, second in the NL East is probably the the bigger headline, the 80 wins. But 
Um, you and I talked about this offline, but just kind of how funny it is that this even exists because we have no idea what the roster looks like. Obviously, you know, some guys on the roster, like, you know, Freddie's going to be there and Enciarte, some of the young pitchers, Tyler Flowers, all that fun stuff. But the bullpen's a big question. You know, who's playing third base? One big question that I'll let you ask because I know you brought it up to me. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, it's a fun talking point, but like, this is one of those things that I kind of just want to throw out the window as something that matters. And that's not a shot at Dan at all because I I know someone was like, hey, man, we want you to update your zips and put a post out. Um, but does this matter at all? I don't think it does. I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters beyond measuring what the four – in terms of the players that are on the roster right now, measuring how much they're expected to improve. And I don't think that that is a useless thought exercise. I do not. Uh, and I've actually had the pleasure of talking to Dan a few times, and he's a, a really thoughtful guy, and he kind of – he he understands completely the limitations of projection systems, uh, and he'll be like he'll be the first to tell you that in terms of like projection systems, prospects are the hardest ones because the data is not reliable because the, the information that you get from the miners, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of other things that you have to consider that's hard to account for and things like that. But the thing I would want to ask him is. Does this projection assume that Ronald Acuna is a starting outfielder for the Atlanta Braves? I would be shocked that the Braves that the a projection system would get the Braves to 80 wins without him on it. Now, I mean, I guess it's possible if you're just if the if projection systems are very bullish on the peripherals or whatever, you know, with you know with Fulty and with the the pitchers that are expected to be there in Atlanta, but it it would be a hard sell for me without understanding exactly kind of what goes into it that the any projection system would get the Braves close to 500 without Acuna in the outfield. Uh, especially when you consider that if you weren't looking for someone who's the biggest, one of the bigger detractors for Matt Kemp and Nick Markakis, it would be Zim. Um, and, right. and and I don't think that's from Zim disliking Matt Kemp and Nick Markakis necessarily. That's I think it's numbers. because uh, it's because of what, he, based on the numbers that he has, they're poor. So I would be surprised uh, and I would be interested to kind of see how, um, like, you know, in terms of how, what outfielders are getting starts and, you know, how many appearances certain other guys are expected to get and things like that. Uh, but at the same time, it does, it does give me some optimism anyway. I mean, it seems to be bullish on, it would have to be bullish on guys like Ozzy Albies and Dansby and, you know, oh, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot going right, uh, with the Braves. Uh, there's certainly some things that aren't, uh, as we've kind of ranted for about 45 minutes or so about now, but. You know, there's a lot of things that are to be excited about. I mean, we get a full year of Ozzy Albies at second base, and you know, you know, maybe Dansby bounces back, and you know, Freddie hopefully won't break his wrist again. You know, I mean, like there's a lot of things to be hopeful for. But yeah, I'm with I'm with you on all that. Honestly, is that uh, <sighs> yeah, I, I don't see a scenario where you get to 80 on paper. I mean, obviously, you can get there if you know a break here, break here, in an actual season. But on right. paper, with those two corner outfielders, knowing what we know about Zips. I just don't. I mean, I think he's going to have those guys as replacement level players. Um, so that is too. There's ways. nothing. There's nothing statistically from the last year that would make me think that projection systems would like Nick Markakis or Matt Kemp in terms of WAR and in terms of right. No. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just don't think that. In, I mean, you know, there are certainly plenty of folks who seem to love Nick Markakis for non-analytical reasons, and that's not a debate I'm wanting to visit today, but. You know, it's in terms of this this particular analysis that was done. I would be shocked if 
a whole lot of of starts were given to Matt Kemp or Nick Marquez. And it would be interesting to see kind of where those, you know, assuming there'd be a lot of Ronald Acuna in there, but I mean, is Dustin Peterson getting love there? Is, you know, is, oh, some, is Scott is, Coleman's is, boy, Dustin Peterson. Oh, Scott. Okay. Uh, but, no, he's uh, cooled. I, I should say he's cooled on the Spearson a little bit, but. His love for Dustin Peterson was fierce. I, I, I distinctly remember. It shines uh, like the day, Eric. It shines. <laughs> oh, when I, oh, you don't when, you think when we put out our rankings and he wasn't in like the top ten, I didn't hear about it? It's uh, like, yeah, it's, I, uh, he's, uh, he's uh, Scott's Mike Soroka. Hey, look. Except Soroka's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Dustin Peterson is not good. I I'm just, just saying he, in terms of love. Like, Soroka's been your guy forever. Oh, we all know oh. this. Uh, then it's it's well documented. Uh, well I think documented I, and, uh, I, I am reasonably certain that the first appearance that I made on this podcast, which I don't remember what episode that was, it was a long time ago. It was early, yeah. And you were saying, give me some dark horse candidates. Mike Soroka, for prospect. Mike Soroka was in it, and that was before he had played at Rome. I'm again, I, you know, I think you're 100 percent right about that because uh, I think I that probably was like where I knew you loved him so much. So that makes, that makes I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I mean, next time I come on, we'll, we'll revisit how right and wrong I was about some things. Yeah, I could find the audio even. And like, Oh yeah. I mean, I could, I could, we could, I could go hunt it down in SoundCloud. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Um, it's definitely there. I'm sure at some point, but uh, yeah, I mean, all that to say, it's just something, just, just some food for thought. You know, there's been some power rankings that have come out. The Braves are consistently in the, in the bottom 10 in the, in the few that I've seen. They were 23rd on ESPN, for instance. And, None of that's surprising. That's probably more informed of the uncertainty. And you know, if you look at last, if you look at the performance in 2016, and unless you project huge growth from the young guys and or some outside influence, you know, it's tough to get into the, to the mid range of the league. It just it just well, kind of we'll, yeah, we just we just don't know enough. Yeah, that's no, just, I'm totally it, with you. I, it, yeah, I mean, like that that's, that's it's hard for me to even think about next year right now. I'm like, with that's, you that's 100% a hundred percent on that because I mean, like. I personally like a good example is this whole Ronald Acuna discussion that we're like, you know, you and I are both on board, put him on the opening day roster. And I would assume that based on how fast they were, he was being promoted this year. You know, that was kind of the idea is like, Hey, let's get this kid ready. And they put him in the Arizona fall league. And all he's done is just, you know, not to cover off the ball is the next, is the next regime that comes in. Are they going to care about service time or not? Yeah. And, and it is, I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying this, that there is a pretty even split throughout baseball regarding whether or not you hold guys down to get that extra year of service time or you just bring them up when they're ready. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely both happen. Um, and you know, some of that's dictated by injuries and things like that, but I mean, I don't know. And it's, it's tough for me to like, think about like, you know, like what do you think their chances are next year when I, there's so much uncertainty just in terms of like even small basic decisions that can have an effect, but maybe not a large effect that I don't know that entirely different philosophies exist. And it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around. And it's been a very tough off season for me. Cause I, you know, I want to, I want to be writing and doing all that stuff, but like on any given day, I'm just like, no, this, what I could write is just be obsolete in like 24 hours. It would just not matter. Yeah. I mean, it's, really hard right now which is why it's it's tough it's harder than normal even like it's always it's hard for anybody right now like even if the braves didn't have all of the uh craziness with the investigation in the new front office it would still be hard to like talk about much in the way of player movement in early november like i remember distinctly last year post world series like there were a couple weeks when i was like all right 
what should the Braves do? And it's like, well, you can talk about concepts and like where they need to get better, but like spe- actual specifics are so hard. There was a lot. There's a lot of rumor mill speculation last year because going into the winter meetings, it was like Chris Sale and Sonny Gray, and you know the Braves didn't do any of that. <laughs> Right. No, and and the thing yeah, is, but but we, like the Braves aren't really connected to anybody right now because they're not talking to anybody right now. Because yeah, that's the thing. I mean, but even I, I think it's important to know that like most of the time, the great majority of the time, when we're talking about specific guys in free agency or in trade, it's because they've been reported somewhere. Yep. We're like, I mean, you can say a guy would be a great fit. It's easier in free agency, but especially trade. People ask, I mean, all, God bless the listeners and readers. Um, and I understand why it's a question, but it's like, you know, who should the Braves trade for? And it's like, that's such a question that's unanswerable. Like, you don't know who's, so you don't even know who's available. Yeah, you don't know who's available. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, there, there, there are clearly situations where, you know, like players are available to certain teams because there's prospects or guys that they want on the other side, but not available to anyone else. And, you know, it's fun to speculate about guys who are openly declared as available on the trade market, whether it was, you know, you know, basically the entire White Sox roster this past offseason or, you know, like Chris, you know, Chris Sale was floating around, you know, Chris Sale in particular was floating around and, you know, Sonny, there's tons of Sonny Gray rumors Archer. and Ar- Chris Archer, God, um, Quintana, and, you know, Quintana. Jose Quintana and then. Yep. Alex Cobb seems to be, you know, the perennial kind of sort of available guy. And, you know, now he's going to see if he can't get paid. Um, it's, but this year it's particularly weird because we have heard kind of what the organizational philosophy has been, which means we can kind of dictate, well, who are the guys we would even like think about looking at? But now we just have no idea. And, you know, we could just throw a dart at the, at a board and it would be just as accurate as, you know, some of our projections could be and stuff. For sure. Uh, what we do know, though, is that the Braves are projected to be, to be better than the Phillies and the Mets and Zips. So that's all that matters. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Zips must really hate the Mets. Cause, I mean, it does. I mean, like, it really hates them. To be and, fair, like, like what... Dan wrote about, I mean, he does these, look, these few paragraph captions in which he doesn't really talk about the Braves at all. Most of it is about the, is about the Mets. Uh, and because I think he feels like he has to explain why they're so low, which I totally understand. Um and they have the best pitching staff on paper, but but the thing know, is, that, the way that, the system that, that, looks that paper at it, might be what some of those arms are made of. Right, twenty six factors twenty sixteen and all that all that fun stuff, and not not everything is linear. People expect linear progression all the way from young guys. It's not always like that. As we saw with Dinsby Swanson this year, for instance, stuff you don't just suddenly get, but you don't get better every year. That's just not something that happens to everyone. Some guys do, but not everybody yep. does that. Some um, guys get inversely linearly worse. Uh, Dan Ugla seems like a strong example of that. I mean, there are guys who are, are literally had their best season in the in the majors as rookies. Yeah, Jeff Francoeur. Uh, you know, and then they get and then they get figured out, or right. you know, there's an injury. There's a lot of things that can happen. There are guys. There are many guys who have won Rookie of the Year, and that you never know. You would never know one Rookie of the Year because they just were like either just super average players after that. Like like I think about Eric Karros, for instance. Like oh he was yeah, like, that's he was a good like thing. the next big thing, and then he, he I, I played have, for a long time. He was a good player for a long time, but like he he never was like a guy. I have an, I have another name for you, and you you're kind of in my age group, so I can kind of remember, I think I can mention this name. Do you remember Tubby Smith with the Cubs? Oh yeah, remember what he did on opening day? Yeah, his first he, went, he hit three home runs, 
and everyone's like, he's the next big thing. <laughs> well, it's like I mean, I mean, the, the easy one for the Braves is Francoeur because Francoeur was you know SI cover and was a first round pick. It was like he came out of nowhere, but um, you know that first you know three hundred plate appearances in his first year was out of this world. And by the way, Francoeur, people act like he just died after that. He had two or three like legitimately good years, and he did. He, it just got worse and worse. Um, and not that he was... I, 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 could, I, could, invoke, I, could, I could invoke Jason Hayward Don't as well. do it. I knew sure. you were going to do this to me. <laughs> Don't do that. The thing about Hayward is, it's kind of funny, and without going down the rabbit hole too much, is that he just forgot how to hit still, which I... Man, it's wild how bad he's been at the plate. But he's like that super rare guy where, like, he's not a good, good player without being able to hit, but, like, he's still a major leaguer. Like, the fact that he can hit as bad as he's hit the last couple of years and still provide value... It's kind of amazing. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a Byron Buxton thing, too. You know what I mean? And Byron and Buxton starting to figure it out at the plate. And that's kind of the same sort of athlete that we're talking. I mean, I, mean, I think Buxton's a better athlete than Hayward is. And that's not a knock on Jay Hay at all. Uh, because Buxton, like, if he can figure out how to hit, he's like an all-world player. Um, you know, but uh, I, I invite all the listeners to uh, tweet your thoughts about how good Jason Hayward is versus how he <laughs> debated. And uh, tweet your thoughts at BT Roland uh, on Twitter. I, I think Brad wants to hear all about it. Uh, yes, certainly do that in your spare time. Uh, I might just, I might just, you know, mute you or whatever. No, I don't, I don't block people. So, uh, well, unless they do something like belligerent to me, like swear oh. to me or something. Oh, I was about to say, I definitely block people. I, I, I don't, I, I will, uh, I'm more of a frequent muter these days, but you gotta do, you gotta be pretty aggressive for me to block you. Um, not to say that I haven't blocked people in the past cause I have, but, um, you gotta be like really over the top, um, or like, you know, there's lines. Here, 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 here's my thing about it, and you know, like, you know, this is kind of a weird thing to talk about on a podcast. Is like, when you have, like, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself to have a large Twitter following per se, but just in terms of like in a vacuum, when there's, you know, uh, over a thousand plus people, whatever, that, however, maybe you have, when there's that many people reading your stuff, and like some. Just like like point one percent of those people will not let something go and have to like argue or push that over and over again. I don't have the time in the day to deal with six people like that every day. I just don't. <laughs> and uh, it, it was like I don't need my phone buzzing constantly. And you know, muting people is certainly a reasonable thing. But at the same time, if you're the kind of person that like feels the need to ruin my day because you disagree with the thought I have about a game, uh, I I just I have no interest. And you know, usually they'll get those folks will get blocked. Uh, or if you steal content from me, or if you cuss and say really mean things, uh, it's it's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah, I mean, I almost uh, unless you cross those lines, I almost take more pleasure in muting you because that way you're yelling into the void, and you think I can see it, and I can't. That, that's always a good. That's a good one for me. I, I mean, that's I mean, that. so, I mean, it's you're it's certainly a a, a strong a strong argument. That's <laughs> no, I I totally get all of it, uh, and yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, you and I don't have a massive following, so uh, I have friends in the industry, and I know you do too, that do things that have, you know, maybe not six-figure followings, but close poor to Graham. Poor, poor Graham McCauley. Yeah, Grant's uh, got like five. Uh, let me look now. We're going to look on the podcast right now to see how many followers Real Grant time. Has. I mean, I know I think he has to be close to 40,000, if not yeah, more. Yeah, I was going to say 30-something, but uh, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and Grant is so patient and engaging people and wants to engage and it, the the when he when he gets punished for for doing that it is painful i'm like grant i'm sorry man well like you, it's, it's like those nights when like 
we'll live we'll live tweet from the Talking Chop account in a game and like just some of the responses we get. And, you know, the TC account has like eleven thousand followers, I think. That sounds right. And that's more than double what I have. No, it's got fifteen. Wow, we have fifteen thousand followers now. I didn't even know that. Congratulations to the Talking Chop. Uh, Chris has been doing work over there. Yeah, we're killing apparently. Uh, but anyway. eight thousand eight thousand Jim Johnson fans. Oh yeah, I'll, people are still mad at Chris about Jim Johnson, and it's November, so there's that. Um, <laughs> anyway, we I don't know I don't know how, how we got how, how we got in this rabbit hole, but uh, it was a, it was a fun one while it lasted. Um, rabbit hole with the internet. Yeah, it's it's what happens. Uh, Eric, I've kept you long enough, man. Uh, anything you want to get out there other than just congratulating uh, the uh, good people that won the World Series in Houston Astros? The Houston Astros are an incredibly fun team to watch. Uh, I picked them in seven. They won in seven. Uh, and uh, so I'm happy about that. But honestly, both teams are really super fun to watch. There's a lot of young players. And, you know, for a guy like me who follows the minor leagues, that's really exciting. That you see guys, you know, from basically most of the Astros roster to, you know, there's a lot of young guys on the Dodgers team, too, that, you know, per, you know had varying degrees of performing well. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily look at Cody Bellinger's line from the World Series as guidance as to how you can build a team with young players. But, you know, he got that. He helped get them there. And there's a lot of other really good young players on that team, and there's a lot of good young players on the Astros. And, you know, I am all on board Jose Altuve winning the, the AL MVP. He, he performed so well, and there's a lot of players on that team that perform well. The games are crazy, uh, except for the last one, oddly enough. You know, these crazy extra inning affairs where, like, you know, both teams score double digit runs, to there were some pitcher duels, too. There was, just, there was a lot to like about that World Series. It was a ton of fun to watch. Um, so, congratulations, Houston Astros fans. You should be happy, and your team's going to be good for, you know, at least the next several years before all your guys start becoming eligible for arbitration, uh, in which case, you know, I'm going to start, you know, you know, rubbing my hands together, hoping I can snag a couple of them. But, uh, you know, and Dodgers fans, too, have a lot to like with how that team is being run. I really think Andrew Friedman over there is doing a really good job of kind of, you know, building that team with, you know, young talent that is affordable, but also kind of being cognizant of the fact that, you know, worst comes to worst, you know, the Dodgers can throw a bunch of money at somebody to fill a hole, too. Um, other than that, uh, if you're looking for content from us, we're going to be coming the Arizona Fall League while, as it finishes up over the next you know, three weeks or so, something like that. Uh, and then after that, uh, it's going to be winter meetings time, uh, where we're going to be hoping that we don't, you know, lose a bunch of prospects either to the investigation or to trades. Uh, but if we do, that means we'll probably be getting some other kind of prospects back, hopefully, or at least good things will be happening. We'll be covering that. Uh, and then after the winter meetings, uh, don't expect it before that, we will be doing our updated top 30 prospects, uh, which will be a very painful process because there's a lot of changes. Uh, I have not written a prospect list for Talking Chop that did not have Ozzy Albies on it, and he's no longer eligible. Uh, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough thing for me. Uh, not quite as bad. Maybe next year, or the year after, when I won't be able to put Mike Soroka on there anymore. But uh, you know, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, us four are gonna get together. Uh, probably do preliminary pro, pre- preliminary thoughts on that. We've already kind of started throwing things out there, uh, but that'll come out after the winter meetings. So I would expect it mid to late December. Uh, and then after that, it's gonna be kind of off to the races with all the usual, you know, spring training, and then getting back into the minor league season. Yeah, I mean we're uh, we're here. Hopefully it gets crazy in a good way instead of a bad way in the next couple of weeks. But uh, we'll keep an eye on everything for sure. And uh, you know, baseball no more, no more baseball for a while. The World Series was awesome, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be fun to talk about stuff happening again instead of actual uh, instead of you know, the, the the weird off field stuff. The good off field stuff is uh, fun. The hot stuff. <laughs> I, I was about to say things are going to be happening in the next week or so. I'm just not sure if I. Would yeah, I don't want to talk about that. We're going to have to when it hits. We're obviously going to talk about it. I promise we're not going to just not talk about it, but. 
Um, hopefully that's a one show discussion and then we don't, we could just kind of leave it for a while. Um, there'll be fallout of course, but I like to talk about like free agent signings and trades and rumors and that stuff's fun. So we'll get back to that then. Well, thanks man. I uh, appreciate it as always you coming on. I kept you far too long as always because that's what you and I do. I thought for sure it's going to be a 25 minute podcast and we're at an hour and three minutes, I think. So. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy coming on and talking baseball with you, man. Uh, I have fun doing it. So it's not you're not keeping me from anything, you know. I when, when you get, when you tell me I'm coming on, I get it's it's a good part of the day, not a bad one. We like baseball, you and I. And uh, anyway, thanks, man. As always, for everybody else, please subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, of course, is our host site. But wherever you get podcasts, if you're if we're not there, please let us know, and we'll get that remedied. And of course, you can check us out at Talking Chop on on uh, Monday mornings as well podcast usually posts overnight on sunday so you can get it early if you subscribe but uh click on the post too because that's always uh, helpful for us and it's also a good outline i usually write up what we actually talk about so if you want to just kind of follow along in specific form that's usually there as well so thanks, thanks for listening everybody we really appreciate it and we'll see you guys next week with probably at least some fallout from the investigation so stay tuned for that